0: Welcome to the On The Air podcast, a companion to On The Air magazine, a new bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. Filling in for Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Every month, the On The Air podcast extends material found in On The Air magazine to help you learn about the many things the ham radio service and hobby has to offer. The the On-The-Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM, for the love of ham radio. Welcome to the August 2020 episode. This month we'll take a cue from the July-August article, Monthly Carry Conference Calls Connect Campus Clubs, by Andy Maluzzi, KK4LWR, and talk to Andy, as well as his brother, Tony Maluzzi, KD8RTT, about why collegiate ham clubs are important. Andy and Tony will also tell us what ARRL's Collegiate Amateur Radio Initiative, or CARRY, has to offer college radio clubs, and how hams can get involved with CARRY, even if they're not college students. I guess the first question out of the box is really, what is Kerry?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, this is Andy KK4LWR. Um, Carry is sort of a grassroots movement that has sort of gotten more and more organized over the last uh, you know, few years. And basically it started with a Facebook group. And some uh, students sort of sharing ideas and that sort of thing. And, and then it sort of evolved and got a little bit more organized over time um, to put some effort behind connecting, supporting, and ultimately growing
2: Collegiate Amateur Radio.
0: Approximately how many college amateur radio clubs are out there, do you think?
2: Uh, well, it's hard to tell for sure um, because activity goes up and down. Uh, so we've got some lists, but uh, but there's definitely hundreds around the world. Um, some are very active, some are not so active, um, but there's there's a lot of them out there in some capacity.
0: So, what do these clubs offer their members generally? Is it equipment? Is it operating time or something else?
1: It really varies by the club. Um, some clubs loan out radios, you know, and HTs to their members to get on the air, um, or even sometimes portable HF setups. Um, other clubs have a, a shack, you know, a station somewhere on campus and have a communal operating position.
0: Okay. And just in your opinion, what do these clubs offer to the larger amateur radio community, do you think?
2: I think they give a, a good opportunity for people to learn. Um, in, in college, you know, you're looking for activities to apply maybe some of the things you're studying if you're in engineering or maybe you're in um, you're looking at history and that sort of thing and, and geography and traveling. You know, there's a lot of different parts of amateur radio that you can kind of Build on what you're learning, try new things, and and really just explore.
1: And I think they also offer a bit of fellowship too. Uh, college clubs tend to be pretty small, and they tend to be pretty good groups of friends. And a lot of those relationships, you know, last a lifetime. I know I'm still good friends with many of the folks that were in uh, the University of Florida Gator Amateur Radio Club, W4DFU, and we still talk from time to time.
0: Do any of these clubs get together and participate as a group, say, in uh, contest functions? So I think that's one major
1: aspect of it um, is definitely the contesting. Uh, School Club Roundup um, is always a highlight every year. The Collegiate Cuso Party is another big one. You know where clubs can you know organize and operate, as well as um, maybe someone just wants to work themselves or try and work, uh, you know, for a certain legal ward or something uh, for the club. So it, it can be an interesting mix of individuals, you know, operating as well as big club uh, sort of planned, you know, events. And and for like the school club roundup, for example, we would have you know easily a dozen folks involved over the course of the week at uh, UF when, we, when I was there.
0: When is the next uh, Collegiate Roundup coming up? So the uh, Collegiate QSO party
2: uh, will be this fall. Yep, uh, will be September um, 19th and 20th, I believe. Uh, if you go to collegiateQsoparty.com we have all the details um, for that, dates, times, and rules.
0: Can alumni participate in that as well, by the way?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's it's open to everyone, actually. Any hand can participate Um, We've got different categories in there, depending on, you know, whether you're a student uh, alumni, et cetera, but yep. Anyone's welcome to participate.
1: And it's a great event for new hands, you know, because so many schools are a lot of new hands, you know, they're many of them, this might be their first Q. So it's understood that this is a time that people might be making mistakes or stumbling through an exchange. It's not a big, you know, it's, Not like, you know, worldwide DX or something. It's, you know, a pretty laid back fun event and really something cool for everyone to sort of, you know, get involved with as well as celebrate where they went to school. And connect with other schools across the country.
0: I don't think there's a radio club at my alma mater. That's Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. I don't think they have one. But that brings up a point. Are most of these clubs at science and engineering institutions? So it varies.
2: Um, I I
0: think there's definitely a focus uh,
2: at schools like that. But, you know, we, there's, college hams that, are, that span all kind of areas. So there's a lot of engineers, of course, as you kind of expect, but it, it's much wider than just that, definitely. And and that's one of the things, you know, we try to really focus on is bringing the hobby to other people who wouldn't really necessarily be exposed to it just through the technical angle. So it, that's, a, that's a big part of it.
0: Is it difficult for these clubs to get stations set up on campus? So
1: it's been interesting talking and seeing folks in the Facebook group um, post because for some schools, they've had stations for decades. Um, for other schools, they just got stations and others just don't get permission at all. Um, so it really varies. Usually it, it's it's more of a fear of losing an existing station, less about trying to get a new station. Um, you know, antennas and that infrastructure is very, very expensive for a lot of these school clubs to maintain because they're often getting a few hundred bucks from like student government or something like that. So fundraising and making sure that you have a reliable source of income, you know, as well as a way to take care of your antennas. And that is actually probably the bigger challenge than necessarily getting a space.
2: Yeah. And I will say, you know, and getting from getting a space, maintaining a space and all that, um, you know, it's a big part of it is really the support from the ham community, be that the faculty advisor or uh, alumni or just even local hams. If there is person or a few people who are big drivers kind of keep things going, kind of um, going to bat for the club and that sort of thing. That's, that's a really helpful part of starting a club or just keeping it going over a long time through um, kind of lulls and activity.
1: And, you know, us as, you know, community members or, you know, both Tony and I are recent graduates of college, but, you know, as people who are not currently in a school club, our role in supporting those clubs is really more important than ever Uh, because the future of our hobby by and large is those students and making sure that, you know, we sort of share our knowledge and, and our expertise as well as our resources and passing it down. Every ham I know has a spare rig of some sort sitting in a closet or whatever and, you know, loaning it out to a club that will get used, you know, every day and loved. That's a great use of that resource or going to a club meeting and sharing how to build an antenna or how to work DX. Those are big things like most college students get into the hobby have no idea what they're getting into, don't know what DX is. Like the whole lingo of amateur radio is completely new, just like so many other new hams. So sharing that knowledge is really a great asset for the community um, to pass on.
0: A moment ago, you mentioned the Kerry Facebook group. What goes on there?
2: So it's kind of freeform in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it's a central resource that people can come visit. They can share ideas. Um, they can ask for help or, or advice from other clubs. Um, or even, you know, non-school affiliated AMs that kind of come in and see what what's going on in the uh, collegiate amateur radio scene. So it's, it's really we try to provide a, a central place that everything is kind of posted and kept going and just give a forum for people to, to engage with others um, on an ongoing basis. As well as the safe space.
0: Can anyone join?
1: Oh yeah, everyone can join. Um, you know, we're trying not to like advertise things for sale and that sort of thing. There, we're really trying to keep it, you know, on topic. But yes, anyone can join the Facebook group. You know, and we just ask that you be an active and honest uh, contributor. You know, and try and keep it. You know, there's a lot of people in there asking like hey, I want to try this. So trying to be a positive support resource to say, yeah, let's give it a try. Or, hey, have you thought about this? Or, oh, I could help you out with that. You know, those are the sort of conversations that we're really trying to foster in that group. And it's been really great. There's a lot of students active with HamSci that have shared some of their research. There's been students that are just trying to get a shack up and asking for ideas. You know, so all sorts of things where having the expertise of the larger ham community would be amazing.
0: Now, if somebody's searching for the group on Facebook, do they search for ARRL Carry with no space between the words? Um, They can. That's probably not going to
1: find it as well. Um, The official name is the ARRL Collegiate Amateur Radio Initiative. So you want to actually search for the whole thing, not just ARRL Carry. You might find it deeper in the search if you just search for
0: Now, Something else you guys are doing that is pretty innovative <laughs> that I'd like to hear more about is the monthly carry call, as it's called. Can you describe that? So the carry call
1: um, is sort of the evolution of what started with the movement. If we look at the, you know, the history of what's happened in recent time, we started these forums at Dayton and at uh, Orlando, Orlando Hamcation, Dayton Hamvention. And that, that's sort of what got Tony and I first involved. Tony and I sort of co-led the first one in Orlando. And then we got asked to do the next one, in Dayton. And then we got asked to do another one in Orlando. And it's just sort of snowballed. And there's so much great information that was being shared. And everyone really loved the discussions that was going on. And we wanted to figure out a way to keep those discussions going year round, not just two months a year. Um, so that's sort of where the calls were born. Uh, we, we've worked really well with uh, Bob Inderbitz and N1QR um, over at the league, um, or I think it's N1 or NQ1R over at the league. And he got us hooked up with the, uh, the resources to be able to host those calls. And he's actually attended them as well, um, which is fantastic uh, to have sort of league support on that. And it's really sort of become a great community. Um, we've grown with just, there's like three or four of us in the beginning, and I think what Rover, you know, 20
2: or 30 now, Tony, was that our last count? Yep. Yep. It's grown quite a bit and it's, it's really, we try to keep it as a really community driven thing. So kind of the format we're going with now is each call with once a month, we'll have a different school present something. So a project they did as a club, um, their, their activity in a contest, uh, something like that. And it's just kind of a way that, you know, everyone kind of takes turns sharing what they'd like, kind of casual, type uh, presentation idea and uh, just kind of see, discuss it, qu- ask questions, that sort of thing. So it's it's just really trying to have a consistent and regular um, event to keep things going, keep people engaged, and keep people talking. And it's not just one topic either. Like this
1: last call, we had, what, three or four different topics? Yep. So it's a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, really cool idea sharing among clubs and just among hams.
0: Excuse my ignorance, but how does this work electronically. Is this a, uh, a simultaneous call among all, say, 30 clubs or individuals? Uh, kind of like a webinar or a Zoom call? How does that work? Yep, we use GoToWebinar.
1: Um, so there is, in the Carry Facebook page, there's a link that anyone can register for it. And it's a GoToWebinar. We use the webinar because we can have more people than a regular sort of meeting or Zoom call. And uh, we actually unmute everyone. So, Folks can ask questions and be engaged. You know, it's not a one-way transfer of knowledge. It's supposed to be an exchange. Someone has a question, they can unmute themselves and, you know, share. Um, But there's usually a few presenters that are, you know, called out in the beginning. um, And we sort of move through a rough agenda with them.
0: And folks can participate as they wish. What sort of presentations do they usually offer?
2: So we recently uh, had one that was on uh, their remote station setup. Um, Cal Poly's club actually presented how they set up a remote station, you know, kind of now in the age of COVID and that the students not on campus, they wanted to have a way for people to use the station. Um, So they kind of went through how they did it, how it worked, gave a demonstration, uh, that sort of thing. We've also had a previous um, presentation on like a uh, project for a case that they worked with the civil engineering department, one of their classes, to survey their field day site. And they kind of give a whole overview on that and how they went about that and what that ended up. So really kind of spans from, you know, a project to a, a bigger event or, or even how they operated previously. collegiate Q-So party. We had one presentation on that as well.
0: How long do the sessions normally last? We try to keep them to about an hour.
1: Um, But realistically, it, you know, ends up being somewhere between an hour and two. It depends on the discussion. We usually try to have about 40 minutes or so of prepared presentation slash content, you know, to seed the discussion. But like on our last call, we went a good half an hour longer um, just on some really cool setup that they had. Um, And then we also had one of the members from Case uh, share a interesting uh, digital mode that he wanted to try. So like between those two presentations and the questions and the discussion, it ended up being a good hour and a half or so.
0: Excellent. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to hear about your own transitions, both of you from uh, being college hams to alumni hams. Do you uh, have any tips for people who are making that same transition? Obviously you don't want to, and you haven't, just leave everything that you've accomplished behind. How do you, carry it forward
2: yeah so um I, I think you really make an effort to stay engaged with your old school club um and that could take some different forms uh for one i know we one for my undergrad club we uh, had a facebook group and i kind of stay engaged with that keeping up with membership um checking in with faculty advisors see if they need any help or even some of the students i might know offering help if they need anything um Seeing what I can do for them, um, and just kind of being a resource, you know, going forward, uh, you know, supporting them however that may be. Maybe that's time when I couldn't go help them do an antenna project, donations, or, or coordinating donations from other alumni. Uh, just really staying close, checking in. You know, there's not always going to be a lot of activity in college clubs. It really goes up and down. Um, so if you're the really active person in your club when you graduate, it might get quiet for a little bit. But uh, you know stay engaged, check in regularly, because when that's going again, you know, you'll definitely be needed as a a resource. And like at UF, I've sort of moved into a different role. Um, We have a actual nonprofit
1: uh, alumni and friends of Gator Amateur Radio. Um, And I'm actually one of the directors of the nonprofit. Um, So focus on purchasing equipment um, and managing the equipment for the club. You know, a lot of times, like especially at UF, it's a state school and all that, so it makes it very difficult to get and to you know dispose of equipment. So sometimes it's easier if the nonprofit purchases it and loans it to the club, because um, then if they want to sell it later or upgrade it or something, it's a little easier. Um, you know, as well as it's a nice resource in terms of expertise as well. You know, there's a whole bunch of us that are still pretty active. That hey, we need some help with this, either financial or advice, because that organization is there constantly supporting through equipment and that sort of thing. There's also that open channel to ask for other things. Um, So, you know, me and several other alumni, some young, some in their 50s and 60s and even older. Um, So it's quite the spectrum. And uh, we're able to sort of keep the club moving even through, you know, lulls, as Tony said. So like if they want to do a testing session and they need BEs and we don't have enough students right now, you know, some of us step up and do that, that sort of thing.
2: And I'll even say, you know, when you're on campus or near campus, stop by and, you know, try to get in the shack, check it out, make sure everything's, uh, you know, still still doing what you'd expect it to do. Sometimes things get left for a while um, and the club's not too active. But, you know, if you go for homecoming or something, go back to your school, uh, try to connect with the faculty advisor or the club president and see if you can meet up and go work some people from the club shack. So, it, you know, there's a lot of ways you can stay involved, um, just staying engaged and and checking in regularly and understanding kind of the dynamics of a college club, um, how they vary. We've seen that a lot, Um, but, you know, still being there and uh, doing what you can.
0: Well, you guys have done great work and it's much appreciated. Thank you for the time to share your thoughts with the uh, on the air audience.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, You know, I mean, we really want to see this momentum continue. Carry movement stuff has sort of ebbed and flowed over the last, you know, four or five years. So, you know, it's going to continue to change and grow, but we really want to continue to be a resource um, for students and even students that are maybe thinking about starting a club or their school doesn't have anything and they're just licensed at school. You know, we've tried to get as much of that as we can Um, in that Facebook group. You know, we've built all of our events around that as well. You don't have to have a club at your school to be a college age ham participating in the CUSO party. That's a big part of it, giving them a forum to share their ideas or get some help or at least participate in larger ham community. So we're really happy to continue to share it and uh, hopefully grow, you know, with really any ham out there.
0: Very good. Thank you, Andy and Tony.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode, which took a deeper dive into the material from the July-August 2020 issue of On The Air magazine. We'll be back in September with a look at material from the September-October issue. In the meantime, feel free to send comments about On The Air to OTA at ARRL.org and read our blog at ARRL.org OTA-blog. Learn more about ARRL membership as well at ARRL.org. Until next time, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY, 73.